All right, so this week in our TV journey of old TV, it's weird. This is a weird episode where uh, I got kind of stuck at the crossroads between entertainment and historical significance. And it's like, okay, this one might not be entertaining, but it's very historically significant, so I think we got to do it. But it's also short, so... (laughs) So basically, if you will recall dear listener who might be listening to this. So what was that show called we did last time? Ozzy and Harriet. And it was the nadir, (laughs) the bottom (laughs) so far, where like it's been kind of interesting going through this little journey of old TV and seeing them get their footing, you know, of like, oh, this is like this technical achievement and oh, this is the first show to do this and blah, blah, blah. Where by this case, clearly America has got, they got it down. They know how to make a TV show. There's no more, like, fun technical things. It's just like, all right, here's a TV show. And like we said, that one ran for, like, 14 years. Like, they had it down. And they also had it down in the sense of blandness. Like, all right, if we're going to make a show for a mass audience that's going to run for as long as possible, let's just make it as boring as possible. And uh, Ozzy and Harriet. They did. Super lame. Yeah, because I remember you mentioned after. You are like, all right, so... uh, let's take a break from America (laughs) because like if that's what America's got to offer us like we had that little reprieve with uh Leave it to Beaver where it was actually better than we thought but then Ozzy and Harriet was exactly the 50s pablum that we thought it was going to be and that's all we can see on the horizon it's probably going to be a lot of boring shows that don't have a lot not a lot of meat on those bones not a lot to discuss we'll get back to it eventually but maybe we'll skirt ahead or something because the 50s the 50s is in full swing, and it's no goddamn good. <laughs> they were doing some good stuff, though. They were doing a lot of good dramas, like right. Riverboat and uh, Have Gun Will Paladin and those, those. They were doing a lot of good stuff. It's just those family shows. Yeah, death. So maybe we'll eventually get back to that, and yeah, we'll take a, a different approach. We'll take a different angle to the 50s. But you mentioned, like, why don't we, because uh, we've dipped into the U.K. a little and it's been mostly better, mostly more interesting over on the UK side. We had uh, the Larkins that I didn't think was that good, but whatever. It, but at least it had a different vibe to it. It had that downbeat, sarcastic, everything sucks vibe that the UK <laughs> does so well. And we had that uh, unaired Sherlock Holmes pilot that was like really uh, high production. We had Billy Bunter. And yeah, and our, yeah, the champ Billy Bunter that's still our most viewed one on the YouTube page. <laughs> I'm not sure about the podcast downloads, but on the YouTube page, Billy Bunter is the winner. So I was like, yeah, good idea. Let's go back to the UK and see what we can find from there because we, we, we got America down at this point. We've seen the evolution. So I was like, well, where to start? Let's start at the start. And <laughs> okay, let me get my notes. I never expected us to start this close to the start. This is the closest we've ever been to ground zero as far as the origins of TV. And just to be frank, it's too close to the start. This is going to be weird and garbagey. <laughs> but I was amazed that I even found this. So I'm like, we got it. We got it just to... It's like taking our vitamins before we get into any fun UK shows. We just got to start at the start. So I looked up this thing of just the basic history of TV in the UK, and here's what I found. So the first public demonstration of television in the UK happened in 1926, but they couldn't... (laughs) Yeah. 1926? Wow. But this is just a sign of how primitive it was. They didn't show sound and video together until 1930. 
So whatever they were doing those first four years, you could barely call it TV, but it was transmissions of some kind, some video, some audio. Then by 1930, they got them both together. And the first television drama ever broadcast in the UK, it was a performance of a 1922 play by Luigi Pirandello called The Man with the Flower in His Mouth. But very few people saw it, obviously, because it was the, the 30s. But they installed an early TV in Prime Minister Ramsay McDonald's house so he and his family could watch it. So, so they saw it, and I guess, uh, you know, he was like, cool, TV is cool. Let's move in this direction. Let's try to make TV a thing. It just obviously took a while before it was a thing. And it was, of course, broadcast live like everything was back then, so there's no recordings that exist. But in 1967, some guy got it in his head that uh, he found, like, the original 78 gramophone that they used for the music in that first broadcast, and he was recreating the old tech. And he's like, why don't I just take my 1967 technology and recreate as closely as I can that 1930s broadcast? So this thing that I've got, so it's not the actual first broadcast in the UK, but it's a as close as possible recreation of it. So I'm like, all right, let's watch that, you know, just to see what TV was like right at the start. And although mercifully, the original broadcast was 30 minutes long, this one's only 10 minutes. I don't know why. If you're going to go to all this work, <laughs> I don't know why you didn't do the whole 30 minutes, but it's probably for the best. Because uh, the main technical thing about this, I don't know much about TV technical stuff, but this early TV... It's called a, I got it written out here, a Baird TV. I think Baird is the last name of the guy who invented it. Basically like, you know, VHS and Betamax, you know, the 80s mm -hmm. cassette tapes. So like a Betamax tape had 625 scan lines on the screen. This thing, 30. So it's going to look weird because there's just not a lot of information. It's really low quality. So this is a 30 scan line, 10 minute, basically little play of the man with the flower in his mouth, <laughs> the classic play by Luigi Pirandello. <laughs> and this is what Prime Minister Ramsay McDonald basically saw in his house. And I'm sure it blew his mind, but I'm sure to us, this is going to suck. All right. <laughs> so you see what I mean? Of just yeah. like... I felt like I didn't have any choice. It's like, there's no way we're going to really enjoy this. But if something like this is available, I mean, we got to watch it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, okay, I'm game. Let's go. Wish us luck. Who knows? We might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, you never know. It's possible. Although I read a quick summary of the play. The actual play itself is, you know, two hours or something. It sounds like a real drag. It's like a guy... It's two people talking at a, I don't know, a bus stop or something, and one guy's got a big growth on his face, and he's, like, on his way out. He's uh, not long for this world, and they have philosophical 1922 conversations about, like, oh, you should appreciate your life. And it's like, yeah, this sounds fun. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, for two hours, ten minutes, though, might be bearable. Yeah, ten minutes, probably not so bad. In 1930, the BBC transmitted the first television play ever, and it was called... The man with the flower in his mouth. And thanks to a great deal of cooperation and help from the BBC, the producer, Lance Seafking, and the Inner London Education Authority, we are now able to present excerpts from The Man with the Flower in His Mouth, just as it was seen in 1930. <laughs>
citizens in the UK at the time these pictures were transmitted. This is the first time they've been seen since that day. Instead of the 625 almost invisible horizontal lines we have on our modern TVs, you can clearly see the 30 vertical lines of the Baird system. There was actually no sound with these early pictures. We've added That's scary, right? It's like a horror movie. <laughs> So it was definitely interesting. I'm trying to figure out how to explain what this thing is. I mean, it's like, so they call like the two versions electronic television and his version, Baird's version, was mechanical television. And it seems like it was like a combination between like a pinhole camera and like a flip book. Like it just spun. <laughs> and those 30 lines sort of made an image that looks like a horrifying ghost person. <laughs> Like, very clever and very neat, but obviously, like, not ready for prime time. Like, that's not gonna be TV. Especially since there's already movie theaters and stuff. People have seen video, it, like, you know. Well, yet 20 years later, well, 1950, when TV really sort of gets a foothold, it's amazing how much it had changed in, yeah. tw in 20 years. It's neat, too, because I never heard of this guy. Like, I've always heard, I guess I don't know much about his history either, but the name I always hear as the inventor of TV is Farnsworth. Philo T. Farnsworth, but I never looked into him. Well, I'm just surprised that what, the, the year, like 1928, 1930 for television, uh, usually you think of it in the 40s. Yeah, which, again, they were saying here, like, by the time it came to a head, so we watched this little YouTube thing. It's like a BBC... Thing from the 90s about the 30-line Baird TV. It was like, what they say, 1937? Before it finally came to a head enough where they're like, okay, this mechanical TV is nonsense. We're not using this. But uh, yeah, like it held on for a while. And those early, yeah, like late 20s, early 30s, like it's pretty cool, <laughs> you know? It's not good, but it's very, very, uh, I don't know, like well, inventive. They probably should have tried something other than Impirandello play. Oh, yeah, that thing sucked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like we were saying, we only saw the 10 do minute. anything, you know, do a, do a Dracula or something, but... Yeah, because Nosferatu had already been out and stuff by this point, right? Here, here's these, just these two guys talking back and forth, and then they occasionally show a picture of his wife, and then they show that checkered tablecloth coming up all the time to, to show you there was going to be a scene change pretty hokey and uh and the definition of like when you think of a stereotypically pretentious play like that's what this was it's like these two people meet at a train station because one guy missed his train and we obviously got the condensed version which made it seem extra ridiculous but it goes from this light like oh well i guess we're stuck at the train station ha 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 to like oh i have this horrible growth on my face and my wife she wished to kiss me on it so that she could join me in death and it's just like shut the fuck up <laughs> like so dramatic and I so mean, you're trying your new technology and the technical stuff was kind of fascinating as to how they did it and why they did it but have at least something else that kind of would keep your interest because yeah. the, the, oh god i couldn't imagine sitting through two hours of that wordy Talk about the crap. <laughs> and it is like, yeah, it's like the Emperor's New Clothes, what I always think of. Like, uh, when I was in New York, you know, I went to a bunch of different museums and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm confident enough in my own intelligence 
to not have to pretend that stuff is smart. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I always felt that way about all this fancy museum shit. Like not not the history museum that was interesting, but when you go to like the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, it's literally nothing but shit. It's just garbage. <laughs> later, when they were showing that Marconi stuff, uh, you know, they at least had some dancing girls and yeah, he loved taking pictures singing, of, of girls. Know. He was like straight up. Yeah, but, but there was, you know, oh, well, Bard too in his original action, stuff. But that that first one, they just. And I suppose maybe they couldn't have people moving around a whole lot because uh, they'd have to move their camera, too. Right. But but you can imagine, like, that 1922 play, a whole theater full of well-to-do people that just want an excuse to pretend that they're fancy, all just like, oh, yes, delightful, even though it's boring and do obvious. Then Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, because, like, if you're going to, like, yes, I'm sure that they're like, okay, this is a big deal. It's the first TV broadcast, so we got to class it up. But yeah, you're British. Yeah. Just do Shakespeare. Fuck it. <laughs> what are you taking Luigi Pirandello for, for God's sake? Some Italian dude who's yeah, just talking I mean, his way through stuff. I don't really like Shakespeare either, but I can at least respect, like, Shakespeare at least had jokes and stuff. He had d- double entendres. He wasn't stiff. <laughs> you know? drama yeah. in Shakespeare, but th- that... Mm. Yeah, bad. Real bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it, Thank God they only did 10 minutes, because, yeah, if it was... If it was the full two-hour play, forget it. But even if it was the 30-minute one... 30 minutes, I would have fallen asleep. Yeah, I probably would have bailed out. You can out. only watch so much of that, uh, the lines going back and forth, like the, the, the video. Um, yeah, because it's really unclear. So I guess, yeah, that's the more interesting part, is just the technical side of it. And yeah, like they're saying how the 30 lines, it's so few lines that you can see them. You can see all 30. And each line sort of makes a picture. <laughs> it sort of looks like a person. Again, it's like better than nothing, but, and uh, it was neat too to read about just because it's so low resolution and low quality and black and white and, and uh, muddy looking that they had everybody wear like yellow face makeup and then put dark circles under their eyes and stuff just so their face would have the definition of a face because <laughs> they probably did test recordings so they're like i can't even tell that's a person yeah and well some of it they we were looking at there looked like ghoul ghoul stuff yeah you know, honestly dark circles under the big big black eyes i think it could be cool have you ever seen any of those like japanese horror movies like the ring and the grudge where they uh you know have like weird jerky movement and like the uh, frame rates wrong and it makes it it makes people look like spiders you know how insects they just move yeah. faster than you can see i feel like that's mm-hmm. an untapped potential for a horror movie villain is like that's there's something very scary about yeah, that just film it <laughs> yeah. just film it the way they did that'll yeah. do it for you yeah like if you're in a scary old house at night and there's someone in the house that looks like that <laughs> <laughs> that's scary as fuck <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, I'm sure next week we'll probably jump way ahead because uh, by the time there's actually recorded stuff, it'll probably be much further in history. Well, okay, that was 19, well, a replica of 1930, you said? Yeah, and they didn't make the replica until 67. All right, so the first show that one of the first we watched here was The Larkins, and that was 1948. Right, so So we're talking 18 years later, and The Larkins filming... There was nothing wrong with that filming at all. Right. It was very clear. It was, uh, you know, it's amazing how much it had developed in that time. And yet TV was still not in everybody's homes. So it still had a long way to go to become what it is today. Uh, But the the difference from that, look, 1948, 
And I think Billy Bunter, when we watched that, that was 48, 49, maybe 1950. Right. But I don't even think it was as old as 1950. And again, its video was very, very sharp and clear. So yeah, this was a this was a one-off. Like I don't think we'll ever be in this far into the Stone Ages again. But uh, when I when I saw it there, it's like, well, next week we'll get into whatever other shows I can find. We'll get into the real stuff. But I had to. I'm like, I know this is going to be brutal, but I got to do it. We got to we got to check out this TV. And again, like I always say too, if I ever if I ever end up on Jeopardy now, and the category is early TV. I'm picking it immediately with no hesitation. I know so much weird, random junk now, and that just adds to it. Baird's 30-line TV. I mean, I never heard of that before, but now I know it's a thing. It's kind of neat, too, because I was a projectionist for a couple of years until that became all digital. And, you know, it's not the same, obviously, but it's not so different. Like, the mechanical aspect of, like, we had to thread up the film, and then the film is just pictures. It's just a bunch of pictures that flash so quickly that it looks like like a movement this guy just had way fewer pictures because he just had dots he just had lines 30 lines (laughs) so it's neat it's like the the ingenuity of the human race we're on our way but this this wasn't it chief (laughs) this is not not when you think about the the mindset of the guy who created that stuff. Like, what did he do? We, lay around at night while he was going to sleep and imagine this stuff? Uh, yeah. How did he figure out how to put so much together t- so that it could be TV? I mean, obviously, movies were around by this time, and that kind of filming, he, he obviously re- would have referred to some of that. But what was it? How did he figure out that if you put those 30 lines together, you could actually create that vision? Yeah, that's one thing I always think is interesting, too, about that idea of, uh, I don't know, like Nietzsche and stuff or whatever. The idea that certain people are more valuable than other people, which is, you know, a scary line of thought because it can lead you to crazy totalitarian shit. But it is kind of true. Like, he might have been the guy. There might not have been another human on Earth that would have come up with that shit, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, what would he have done, too? Like, at least if he's laying in bed at night having these weird thoughts, at least he had access to relatively modern technology and BBC and stuff. What if he was in a tribe or he was a caveman? <laughs> like, what would he do? He would just like not be able to express anything or he would invent yeah, something and then they'd break his head before. open. I don't know how it is that in early, okay, electricity. You had guys in the United States doing that. You had guys in France, you had guys in Germany. There's no evidence that they ever got together and shared their thoughts. So, and they were all kind of, at the same time, they were doing all this stuff. Yeah. Like, what was all that all about? That's true. Same thing with uh, flight. Uh, I mean, people have been trying to fly forever, it seems. But when actual airplanes took to the sky, you had the Wright brothers, you had uh, Montevallo or Montepello or whatever his name is in France. You had somebody else in some other place, like... Yeah, and they all seem to be like at the same time coming up with this same idea. Like, I, I what's guess, that all about? I guess in that sense, because yeah, there's some people. If you want to get real uh, hippie about it, there's like the uh, idea of the mass subconscious. You know that we're all one organism, and that your thoughts literally transmit around the earth, and we're all one organism. Yada yada. But I think it's more likely, probably, just that you have the same uh, resources around you. You know, you're all from relatively the same 
environment. So just with what's available to you, if you're a super genius, you put the pieces together in similar ways. I guess we're getting rambly at this point, but there's that. There's one more week down. Again, just uh, it's kind of neat to stumble into these things that it's like, well, I didn't expect that because I, I never even knew that was the thing. So at least now we know. And we also know that if you time travel back to 1922 in some kind of time travel accident and someone invites you to a Pirandello play, tell them you got Run other plans. <laughs> <laughs> you got other stuff to do that day.